Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. We are finishing our sermon series today called Broken Heroes, which has been your favorite. We spoke of Deborah and Gideon and Jephthah and Ehud. Do you remember the left-handed man? So today we're talking about Samson, and I think it will surprise you. I've just been so touched by this story. I, I must be honest, I've been reading the story of Samson this week and cried more than once because this man's story is so real. It could be happening today. It really could. That's the kind of story that it is. It covers four chapters in the Bible, so I'm not going to be able to read every single verse I'm going to fill in the gaps, and you can read Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16 for yourselves. But I want to give you an overview, a summary. Samson was a man who came from a Christian family. I'm going to put it in modern terms, and then I'm also going to look at the Bible story. He came from a Christian family, Christian mom and dad, even though it was Old Testament. You know what I mean, a godly family that loved God and he had every opportunity to prosper in life. He was a child of promise. His mom couldn't have children, and a, a miraculous vision from God came and said, you're going to have a child, and he's going to serve God. God had a plan for Samson from before he was conceived. God had this amazing idea of Samson's life. We know from the Bible that it, it was a plan to prosper him and not to harm him. A plan to give him a hope and a future. Romans 12 says that God's plan for us is good, perfect, and pleasing. That was God's plan for Samson. And when God was imagining Samson's life with his mom and dad, Manoah and Mrs. Manoah, and this godly family, and this wonderful plan, and the anointing of God, it was a beautiful picture that God had in his mind. And yet, Samson died young, probably at the age of about 40. And he died in disgrace. And he died a broken man who'd had three failed marriages, if you like. And he'd wasted his life. And the anointing and the gifts that were upon him were not fully realized. We read about Samson and we see all the things that he did and we're amazed. But I want to tell you that the things he could have done were ten, a hundred, a thousand times more than he did because... He never disciplined himself and gave himself fully to the Lord. And so we see the last five minutes of his life was the only time in his life when he was fully consecrated and given over to the Lord. Isn't that sad? So let's read Judges 13. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now, there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand 
of the Philistines. So Mrs. Manoah runs to her husband and says, this angel spoke to me. And the husband's a little bit skeptical. He says, Lord, please send him again. I need to be sure. The man comes again. They question him. And he says, how do we know this is really from God? And the man says, make a sacrifice, a goat and some grain to the Lord. And as they're burning the sacrifice, the man is standing there next to them, having just told them they're going to have a son and God's got amazing plans for him. And the man merges into the flame of the sacrifice and goes up to heaven and they fall on their faces. They go, whoa, this is amazing. And I want to tell you, that throughout Samson's life, from when he was a little toddler, all the way growing up, they would have told him that story again and again. Samson, you're a chosen boy. You're a special child. God gave you to us. You're a blessing. God gave his power when you were born. And mom has been a Nazarite, long hair, never touched wine or anything to do with grapes, never gone near anything unclean or any dead bodies. She's kept herself pure. We're a pure Christian family. And Samson, you're a pure Christian boy with long hair. But he's got a rebellious heart. And because his mom and dad mollycoddle him, they give him everything he wants. He grows up with the outward appearance of being a good Christian kid. Chapter 14, it says, Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman of Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now get her for me as a wife. His father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman from... Uh, among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people, must you go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And, Phil and Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. Mums and dads, it's okay to say no to your kids, amen? You know, sometimes we, we think our children are grown-ups and, and we can debate with them and have intellectual conversations and try and convince them out of not stealing their sister's lollipop. But we can't. They're children. And we need to give them guidelines. Amen? And the good news, parents, Christian parents, is that God's blessing and God's covenant covers your children even when they're rebellious. And we see Samson's life ended with him serving the Lord, but it could have been so much better. What happened was he picked a woman who was not committed to God and was not fully committed to him. He was driven by his hormones and he loved her and he wanted her and he wasn't thinking straight and he made a poor decision. And because she was from a foreign nation, she was influenced by their gods and their idols, but also by the nation, national kind of ethos of the people of Timnah. And they convinced her. They said, come on, let's, let's talk about your husband. And she was disloyal in talking about her husband with her brothers and sisters and the people of her, of her tribe. So what happened was Samson was going to marry her, and it says he went near the vineyards of Timnah. Now remember what his vow was, his Nazarite vow. He's not supposed to go to anything near anything that has to do with grapes. But he's going by the vineyards of Timnah. 
he's the kind of guy who he goes to church on a Sunday, but then on the other times where nobody's looking, he's looking at other stuff and doing other things. He's by the vineyards and a lion attacks him. If I go to the places where God doesn't want me to go, I open myself to the devourer. Amen? But God's spirit comes upon him and he tears the lion to pieces. God is so gracious and generous that even when you're in sin, he protects you. And I can vouch for that. I've seen God protect me and look after me and save me even when I was in disobedience. Amen? Amen. Praise God. But he tears the line apart. He knows he's been doing wrong. He doesn't tell anyone about what he's done. But he goes back and he sees that some bees have made a honeycomb inside the carcass of the lion. Part of his Nazarite vow is he's never allowed to go near a dead body. But he goes near the dead body. Not only does he go near it, he scoops out the honey and he starts eating it. And he takes some of the honey to his parents. He makes his mum break her Nazarite vow. And then he tells this little riddle to the people at his wedding banquet. He says, I've got a riddle for you. Let's make a bet. If you can guess what my riddle is, then I'll give you 30 suits of clothing, which is quite a generous gift. But if you can't, then you give me 30 suits of clothing. He says, out of the strong, something sweet. Out of the eater, something to eat. Whoa, he's cool. He's got all the moves. And he's trying, he's trying to play both worlds. He doesn't want to tell them that he's broken his vow, but he wants to boast about what he's done when he's out there sinning. And the people of that nation get together with his wife. They draw her aside. They say, come on. Come on. We're your brothers and sisters. Find out what this riddle is. We don't want to have to pay 30 suits of clothing. And Samson had chosen a woman who was not devoted to God and because of that, she wasn't devoted to him. You know, I don't want to go on about marrying non-believers. But I just want to say, it's not a happy place to be married to someone whose very core does not share the values that you share at your very core. It's not a happy place. You can be one in flesh, you can be one in mind and emotions, but in spirit, you can't be one with someone who's not a believer in God. And it will cause you pain. And what happened was she convinced him to tell the secret. And then she told her brothers and sisters, they said to Samson, we know the answer. And he said, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't know the answer to my riddle. He was angry and he storms off. He kills 30 Philistines to get the 30 suits of clothing. He brings them back. The Spirit of the Lord helped him to kill the 30 Philistines. Amazingly. You know, we mustn't think that just because God is blessing me, I am serving Him fully. Amen? It's God's gracious kindness that allows us to do things. And sometimes a person can be living away from God, but because of the blessing of their family praying for them, and even because of God's blessing from a previous anointing, they can have the power of God even when they're doing something that he doesn't want them to do. Anyway, Samson gets the 30 suits of clothing, he gives them, he storms off, and a terrible thing happens. The lady, his wife, his first wife, 
is given in marriage to another man because they say, well, Samson's deserted us. She's given to his best friend in the Philistine camp as, as a wife. And later, Samson comes back and he says, okay, I've calmed down. It's been, I've been a few months off there. And he comes back. He says, all right, I want to reconcile with my wife. And they say, sorry, she's married to somebody else. And it's just devastation. It's just devastation. You know that pain of your first true love and then your heart is broken? Especially when you've married that person and now that marriage is broken up. That pain is deep. And Samson is so angry that he, he responds poorly. He catches a whole bunch of foxes. He ties their tails together, puts fire sticks in their tails and sets them among the grain of the Philistines and it just burns all their, all their crops. And a big fight starts to break out where they now say to the Israelites, we need you to capture Samson for us. His own people band together, they capture him, they tie him up with big strong ropes and they give them to the Philistines and he breaks out of those ropes and he kills a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. And we read those exploits and we say, look how God was using the man. I want to say that it was a mixed up, confusing mass of, of emotions and motives and God's power mixed up with human sin and error and God using it for a victory, but the person who was not victorious, the person who was not enjoying the favor and the blessing of God was Samson because he was in turmoil on the inside. And at the beginning, when God said, this boy will set you free from the Philistines, this boy will have the anointing of God, all of God's plans for him, God was sitting in heaven crying and saying, I wanted you to have a lovely marriage with a woman who's shared your faith. I wanted you to have victories where you were walking in obedience. I wanted you to be blessed and anointed every minute of every day, not putting on an act for the crowds, but actually living it. And Samson was living a half-consecrated life. And God was using him, but his heart was not a happy heart. So then he, he finds another woman. She's a prostitute. And he has a relationship with her, but the, the crowds, the Philistines gather around again. When you put yourself in a position that is not where God wants you, you open yourself to the enemy. The enemies come and they want to get him again. They want to kill him. God gives anointing to Samson. And he, he gets up and he lifts the gates of the city up and he breaks the whole gate of the city out. And he has a victory. And then we get to the final act. Bear in mind that Samson has lived a life of compromise. He's got mixed up thoughts. You know, the Bible says that sin messes with our brains. Did you know that? In Romans chapter 1, it talks about the decline of humans. It says, though they knew God and they should have known Him and they knew about Him, because they didn't acknowledge Him and because they weren't thankful to Him, God gave them over to a reprobate mind and their minds and their hearts became darkened. And we start thinking unclearly. We can't see straight. We can't think straight. We can't make right decisions. There's all these conflicting emotions and motives in our hearts. And this is what happened to Samson. 
Verse, chapter 16 of Judges, verse 4. Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Again, a foreign woman. Not a follower of God. Have you ever seen how we make the same mistakes? We get into a rut. It's like a... It's a terrible habit that we just can't seem to break out of. And so you'll find a person making the same mistakes again and again, and especially in relationships. And I want to tell you, God is there to rescue us out of that, out of that cycle. But we have to come to Him and say, God, it's no more pretense. It's no more facade. I'm not going to pretend to be holy and live a double life. I am yours. But Samson hadn't got there yet. And the lords of the Philistines came to her and said, Entice him, find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. It's a terrible thing for a man to feel that his wife is not on his side. And Samson put himself in that position many, many, many times. And Delilah comes three, four times, the fourth time she's successful. But the first three times she comes to him and she says, tell me the source of your strength. He says, oh, well, if you tie me up with this kind of string, then I can't break her. And crazily enough, he wakes up the next morning and he's tied up with that kind of string. You would have thought he'd realize. But our brains get weird. He wakes up the next morning, he breaks those strings you would have thought then, he would have thought, hmm, my first wife did this to me. She tried to trick me. Hmm, maybe this lady doesn't really love me. But he was so ruled by his emotions, by his desires, he loved her. He loved Delilah. She does it a second time. What's the source of your strength? He says, well, it's, it's this. He tied me with these kind of ropes. Wakes up the next morning, he's tied with those kind of ropes. I don't know. It was a weird relationship. It was a love-hate relationship. It was a relationship where they loved each other, but then they were horrible to each other. Anyone been in that? I want to tell you there's hope. There is hope for marriages. You know, 1 Corinthians 7 the Corinthian church wrote to Paul and they said, some of us are married to non-believers. What should we do? He said, don't leave them. Live for God. Love them. Your anointing will spread out over them and help them and maybe they'll get saved. But if your serving God causes them to leave, let them go. Don't, don't compromise your Christianity to keep them. Let them go. But serve God and love them and stay with them. In Joshua chapter 9, Joshua and the people of Israel make a covenant with the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites tricked them and said, we're from a land far away. You don't have to kill us and destroy us. We're from far away. Make a covenant with us to protect us, even though they were from the very next door land and they should have been attacked by Joshua. Joshua made a covenant. The Bible says he didn't consult the Lord. He made a covenant. And many people have made a covenant to marriage with someone without consulting the Lord. But I want to tell you good news. The very next chapter, the Gibeonites get attacked 
And God says, because you've made a covenant with them, I'm going to bless this. And Joshua makes the sun stand still for a whole day and a major victory happens because God's covenant overrides your poor decisions. And 400 years later, there's a drought when King David is king. And he goes to the Lord. He says, Lord, why is there a drought? God says, because I'm still honoring the covenant that Joshua made with the Gibeonites and somebody is persecuting them and that's why there's a drought. God remembers a covenant 400 years later. Friends, if you've made a covenant with someone in marriage and you say, I don't know how we got to this point. They're attacking me. We love each other sometimes. We're horrible other times. I want to tell you the power of God's covenant is stronger than your mistakes. And he can overcome but Samson never, never called on that power. Eventually, he loved Delilah so much and he was so confused with all his mixed emotions and, and motives that he told her. He said, if my hair gets cut, I will be weak. Can I ask you a question? Do you think it was Samson's long hair that made him strong? Do you think it was the fact that he didn't eat grapes or go near dead bodies that made him strong? The answer is no. The answer is that all of those are external evidences of, a, of an internal consecration, a heart that is given to God. And God is so gracious that all the other times that Samson went near dead bodies, went near grapes, did all these other things he shouldn't have done, God still gave him power because God is gracious. God is gracious, but there comes a time where God sometimes says, enough, I'm taking my grace away. Why? So that you'll wake up and come back to me, because otherwise you're going to continue in your sin until your heart becomes so hard that you reject me and you fall away. And Samson woke up the next morning. Let me read you the verse. And he woke up the next morning. Uh, and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. It's such a tragic sentence. Then the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. Hebrews 11 says Samson is a hero of the faith because he finished strong. The last five minutes meant that God forgave everything else. Let me be clear. God wanted Samson to have a life of power and blessing. And Samson missed out on that. He had a life of tragedy. But Samson today is rejoicing in heaven because the last five steps of his race, he broke through the tape with faith and victory. He gave his life fully to the Lord. And I want to say to you and to me, let's not wait to the last five minutes of our lives to give ourselves fully to God. Why wait? Amen? Verse 22, However, the hair of his head began to grow again. You know, God's grace is still available. Even when He's allowed us to go through something painful to bring us back, His grace is still there. And the minute I turn back to Him, 
he comes back to me. And verse 26, then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand. You see, Samson wasn't a strong man. He wasn't like Arnold Schwarzenegger because otherwise they wouldn't have let a lad lead him around. Amen? Samson was a weakling. It was the power of God's Spirit that gave him strength. And he's now a, a, a curiosity at Philistine gatherings. All the big and the great Philistines gather around and Samson is there as a curiosity. He's had both of his eyes taken out. He's a weak, dejected man. His hair started to grow a little bit and they bring him to all their big events so they can look at him and make fun of him. And he says to the lad who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple and he braced himself against them, one on his right, the other on his left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. Friends, God is available. He's listening. He's waiting. He is a loving God. He created you and formed you with a plan before you were even made in your mother's womb. Psalm 139 says that he wrote in a book all the days and all the plans and all the great things that he had planned for you. He wrote them before you were even formed. His plans for you are awesome, for relationships, for ministry, for, for every area of your life. But he just requires this, that it's not just an external facade, but that your heart is given to him. 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully devoted to him, so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. And I want to tell you, God's eyes are ranging right now, here. And he's saying, I love you. My plan for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. It's better than you could ever make up. You think that woman of Timnah or that Delilah or that whatever is best for you? It's not. I've got great plans for you, God says. But turn to me. Just like Samson did in that last five minutes, say, God, my whole life is yours. It's not an act anymore. God, I'm yours. God, whatever you say is right for me. Whatever you want is right for me. I'm not the boss of my life. You are, Lord, and I'm willing to die and continue to live for you. And when you do that, he floods in. He is so gracious. It's not that his hair was long. It's not outward appearance. It's a heart that is turned to God. I said in the previous weeks that I would give you a New Testament example of this. You know, there was a young man called John Mark, and he grew up in a Christian family. In Acts chapter 12, there was a prayer meeting in his mother's house. He was a Christian boy, and Paul and Barnabas chose him to go on their first missionary trip in Acts chapter 13. And little young John Mark, who has all the outward signs of being a Christian is chosen to go and he goes with them but in Acts chapter 13 verse 13 
it says he deserted them. The going was too tough. He wanted to be with his friends. He wanted to do all the worldly things. He looked right on the outside, but his heart was not fully devoted. And later, Barnabas, who was actually his cousin, said, I want to take Mark again. And Paul said, no, he let me down. I'm not taking him again. And the disagreement was so strong that Barnabas and Paul actually split up. And Barnabas went off with Mark, and Paul went off on his own journey. He, he failed. He messed up. But in the New Testament, do you remember? Hebrews 11 verse 39 says, We have better promises. God has something better for us. With Jesus' power, we can overcome the things that Samson couldn't overcome. And there's some beautiful verses. In Philemon 1 verse 24, Paul is writing from prison to Philemon. And he says, I'm in chains here. I'm, I'm, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And Mark is with me. At the end of Paul's life, Mark had had a turnaround. In 2 Timothy 4, the very last chapter that Paul ever wrote, right before he dies, he says to Timothy, bring my cloak, bring my books, and bring Mark because he's so helpful to me. And you know the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? It was written by Mark. Because God can take a person who looks good on the outside, but whose heart is far from him, and he can turn them around until they become a writer of the Bible. And God can do that with you. His plans for you and for me are good, friends. He just says, will you give your life to me? Don't put on a show. Give your heart. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.